0: All right. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Riverview. Uh, glad that you guys are here. Uh, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. If you brought a physical copy, if you've got a digital copy, slide on over uh, to Mark 4. Uh, I want you guys to have a copy uh, in front of you. Um, so if you don't have a device or a uh, hard copy, lean real close to the person who's sitting next to you, and, uh, and hopefully um, they'll let you read off of uh, their device uh, as well. Um, guys, this week, uh, as you're looking there, uh, this week has been a, a really interesting uh, week for me. Uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs. Uh, anybody else just kind of have a week like that? Like there's some, there some highlight moments, but there are also some moments like, ah, I probably could have done without that. Uh, we all kind of live in that space. And so I know that when we come together, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is, is active and He's present and He's ready to do some work uh, in our hearts. But I also know that we all come from different places, uh, and we're all coming in with different uh, things going on in our lives. And you've got a story, and I've got a story, and if we were to share our stories together, um, sometimes we laugh together, and sometimes uh, we would cry (laughs) together. And that's just uh, the way it is. Um, We are image bearers of of God the Father, and uh, we all have a story to share of where we're at in that walk with Him. And so um, I don't know where you're at in your story. I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus this morning, but wherever you are, listen, I'm so glad uh, that you're here uh, because we get to grow in this journey uh, together. Uh, We're in uh, Mark chapter 4, and so if you've already found it there, you may already be looking at the pages and realize, man, I'm, I'm already kind of familiar with this text. Um, we know that this is the text of the sower and the seed. Uh, we've been walking through uh, the book of Mark, so we're beginning in chapter 4 now. We are tied into a, uh, a series called Tethered, um, Tethered to Jesus. We want to see what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus who stays connected to him for, to find that's where our life comes from. It doesn't come from what I do. It doesn't come from the money that I have. It doesn't come from the job that I have. It doesn't because I'm a mom or I'm a dad. Our life is tethered to Jesus, and that's where discipleship is born out of and lived out of. And so we've been walking through Mark, and so we're in chapter four, and we've come across now the sower and the seed. And when I was reading through this this week, um, I, I felt like Jesus was like, hey, stay focused on this. Don't get sidetracked by other things. Stay focused on this right here. Sow seeds and help people grow. Sow seeds. And help people grow. I want you to say that with me. Sow seeds and help people grow. If you're a believer in Christ, this is what we get to do. This is not what we have to do. Okay, it's not like, like we are being spanked if we don't do this. This is, this is what we get to do. It's our privilege to sow seeds of the gospel truth in the lives of people around us. And we get to come alongside of people and to walk along with them and help them grow in their process of knowing who Jesus is and how to live that out in, in their lives. So this is pretty straightforward. Sow seeds and help people grow. Now, you may not know this, but we have a, a constant reminder of this uh, whenever we drive through Lincoln. You, you, and like, You guys drive through Lincoln? Anybody just kind of drive through every once in a while? Okay, if, if you're not familiar with Lincoln, I want you to know, Lincoln is the capital um, of, of, of Nebraska. And uh, right downtown, there is a capital building. And on top of that Capitol building, there is a reminder of us to sow seeds and to help people grow. Now, I don't know if it was intended to be like this or not, but every time you drive by the Capitol building, you have this sower who's on top of the building that's just casting out seeds. And so I I just want, like, whenever you drive through Lincoln and you see that, just remember, God has called me to sow seeds and to help people grow. Doesn't matter where it lands, to sow the seed and to come alongside and, and help people grow. Now, In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is still in Galilee, okay? He's uh, in a place still, he's in uh, the Capernaum area, crowds are still showing up, people are coming from all over the place, and we know that over the, the past few weeks what Jesus has been doing. He's been clarifying clarifying that there are insiders and there are outsiders. There are people who are just in the crowd, and then there are disciples who come along. And he's been making that line uh, extremely clear, and he's been showing people what it looks like to be in the family of God, to come alongside and to be in the kingdom uh, of God. And he's been drawing that line. This is what a disciple looks like, and this is what the crowd looks like. And last week, he dropped the first parable on the disciples, okay? He's talking with the disciples, and he drops this parable. I'm like, wait, where's that coming from? And the more that he talks about the kingdom of God, we're going to continue to see him talk in parables. Now, remember, um, parables, um, they're they're stories, right? They're they're illustrations um, that come alongside of a spiritual truth that help us understand what that spiritual truth was. And Jesus wasn't foreign to using parables. He uses them quite often so that he can paint the picture and to help nail down for people to understand what it is that he's saying. But here's what happened. Every time that Jesus would open up his mouth, people would respond to what he had to say in a different way. it's interesting how you say one thing and it can be understood a thousand different ways from other people or people can respond to it in a thousand different ways. But every time he opened up his mouth, some people would love what he had to say, some people hated what he had to say, and some people were just absolutely confused by what Jesus had to say. Why is that? Why is it that sometimes we say something and people respond to it in completely different ways or they have different reactions? I think it's because... People are in different stages of their life. People come from different backgrounds. People are in different stages in their journey uh, towards Christ as well. Um, People are dealing with work, they're dealing with stress, they're dealing with kids, and then they're dealing with stress again. People are dealing with retirement. And although that should be a happy time, like there's stress that comes along. Are we going to have enough money to make it through this the next stage of our life? People have different upbringings and they had different moms and they had different dads or they didn't have a mom or they didn't have a dad. There's a lot going on in people's life that it makes them available to trust or it makes it very difficult for them to trust what's going on. And for some people, I man, faith is just really easy. Like you were born into a house and you were born into a community of faith. That's just like, like when somebody talked about God or somebody talked about Jesus, it was very easy for you. Faith came easy. For others, when you hear about Jesus or you hear about the gospel and you hear about um, how God has created all things, it's not like it's, it's a daily struggle um, and you have to grapple with what it means to believe. And you have to grapple with what it means to, to submit your life to somebody that isn't your yourself. In Mark chapter 4, we get this picture of how people respond differently to what Jesus has to say. There is a seed and there is soil. There is a seed and there is uh, soil. We have these different images that come along with that. And to be up from, from the very beginning here, the seed is going to represent the Word of God. And the Word of God lets us understand what the will of God is and how we apply the will of God to our lives. The soil is going to be represented of our hearts. It's representative of our hearts. And this passage is going to say there's four different heart soils that are available, or not available. There are four different heart soils that we see that responds differently to the seed that gets planted. And so, the soil is going to represent the heart of the hearer, and the seed, or the word, is going to get sown into the heart of people who are then going to respond in different ways to the word. And you get to verse 13, and we're going to see this unique thing here. That this parable, Jesus is going to say, it's crucial for the understanding of anything else that he's, he's going to say. And everything else that he's going to be telling them. And so everything that Jesus is going to say and everything that he's going to do from this moment on, he says to the disciples here, If you can't understand what I'm saying right now, how are you ever going to understand anything else that comes along later? Like, if you can't, like, this is very foundational, not only for your belief, but how you end up living. If you can't get this, how are you going to understand the rest? Uh, Howard Hendricks was a um, fantastic, Dr. Howard Hendricks was a fantastic um, uh, Bible teacher and disciple of men and women, a uh, professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and just a great guy. And uh, uh, he, he said that um, the Gospels give us about 52 days of Jesus' life. So like throughout all the New Testament, like we know that Jesus was in the 30 to 33 range, um, but we only have about 52 days of his life. And those 52 days are packed with story upon story upon story and parable upon parable upon parable. And John says in his gospel that if you were to take everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough ink, there wouldn't be enough paper. There would, the world could not contain everything that Jesus was capable of doing and things that he did do. But in those 52 days, he packed in so much. And Jesus is going to say from the very beginning here, if you can't get what I'm telling you now, How are you going to understand all these other days that I'm going to spend with you? All these other things that I'm going to be telling you. And the reason that he says this is because it's all about how a person is going to receive the truth of God. Are they going to listen? Will they let the seed of God's word penetrate the soil of their heart? Whether they've got a hard heart or a soft heart or they're somewhere in the middle. Are they going to let God's word penetrate there? Or are they going to be consumed by something else? is every single day of our life, we are facing a battle for the priority in our lives. And so when we uh, wake up in the morning, we turn off the alarm clock all the way through our day until we lay back down at night and and we put our head down on the pillow. We are in this fight um, for our uh, attention. And every day we have to navigate what's going to take center stage of our life what's the soil of our heart going to be how is god's word going to soak in and what's going to get our attention and mark helps us understand this and so look at chapter 4 verse 1 <clears throat> again he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came along and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. "'Other seed fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. "'And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, "'growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. "'And he said, "'He who has ears to hear, let him hear.' "'And when he he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. "'And he said to them, "'To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, "'but for those outside, everything is in parables.' So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that's sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who... When they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit... 30-fold and 60-fold and uh, 100-fold. I want to look briefly here at each one of the soils, um, but as we move along, I really want to focus on one of them for us uh, that we really want to dig in that I I think that maybe we spend a little more time uh, around. Um, But look first at at the sower. There there are two different really focuses here. There's the sower and there's the soil. So I want to start with the sower. The sower has the seed, right? Like, like he, he or she has the seed. They have a responsibility to take that seed, uh, to take it out into the fields and to plant it so that that seed can, they can germinate and it can grow. And so if we wanted to focus on the sower, we could say that the sower has a responsibility to take the word out or to take the seed out and to scatter it out everywhere. Because if you look at this guy, that's exactly what this guy is doing. He's taking a seed and he's throwing it everywhere. He, like he doesn't care where it lands, like, he's just out, just, he's throwing it everywhere, okay? It's landing all over the place. It's landing on the sidewalk. It's landing beside the sidewalk. It's landing in the rocks. It's landing in the dirt. If you were here in this room, it would be all over the stage. It would be all over your seats. It would be in your hair. He's just taking the seed. Like, man, I'm serious about this sowing thing. I'm just like, I'm sowing it everywhere. He's, if we were to see him, we'd say, hey, man, he, he's, he's a good seed thrower. That's what he's like. I don't know what else he's good at, but he's really good at throwing seeds. But if you're a farmer... That's not your thought. If you are a farmer in the room, you're thinking, what's wrong with this guy? Who hired him? Because I don't want him on my team. Because this guy is out throwing seed everywhere and he doesn't get it. Because you guys make sure that every seed that you plant, like it does not get wasted. I mean, your machines, the GPS... All the technology that you guys are working with right now is absolutely fantastic, and you know where every seed's going to go, and you make sure that every seed gets to just the right soil at just the right time because you're not wasting any of it. Every seed is so incredibly value for you, valuable for you. And if you saw this guy, you would wonder, who hired this guy? You'd be like, hey, settle down, cowboy, Okay. settle down. You're wasting really good seed. There's good soil out here, and there's bad soil out here, and you're taking good seed, and you're throwing it even on the bad soil. I like your enthusiasm. You're really a go-getter, but you need to settle down a little bit. The sower here just throws the seed everywhere, because in this particular scenario, um, the sower knows his role. He knows that his job is not to cause the growth His job is just simply to throw the seed. He's not responsible for the growth. God's responsible for bringing about the growth. And so we don't know what season of life people are going to be in. We don't know if they're ready to hear the gospel or not. We don't know if they're ready to grow or not. The sower's job is just simply to go out and to scatter the seed, to take God's word and to throw it out there and cast a net out as wide as possible and let God handle how somebody is going to grow. The sower sows seeds. That's what he does. Sower's going to sow, right? That's what they do. But you could very easily focus not just on the sower. You begin to focus on the, the soil as well, because it's clear that there are four different kinds of soils that are out here that the seed gets sown into. There's good soil, and there's bad soil that comes along. And, and, and I, want, I want you to know, here's, here's what's going on. Jesus He's spending time with the disciples. He's using parables. He's talking with them. He's telling them stories. But he is preparing these guys for when he gets ready to leave. There is going to be a day when Jesus is no longer walking alongside of these men. And he is letting them know, when I go away, here's what you can expect. You're going to take the word of God out. And you're going to let people know this is the will of God for your life. And you're going to tell this to people everywhere. But not everybody is going to respond the way that you would hope they would would respond. You guys have responded. You, you've come along and you followed me, but not everybody's gonna respond the exact same way that you've responded. There are gonna be people who like what you have to say but reject. There are gonna be people who reject what you have to say and are very, uh, they have a lot of vitriol that comes your way. There are gonna be people all over the map on this. Because what's one of the biggest fears that we have about sharing our faith with people and sharing the gospel? Like, it's not that we don't love Jesus. It's not that we don't care that other people know Jesus. We're just afraid of how people are going to respond. We don't know what people are going to say, or we don't know what people are going to do. So sometimes that locks us up in fear. Like, I love Jesus, but I'm really afraid to share with, with that with, with other people because we just don't know how people are going to respond. But Jesus prepares these guys. He says, hey, I know how people are going to respond, and I want you to know how people are going to respond. There are going to be people who like what you have to say, and there are going to be people who hate what you have to say. And so he tells them in this parable He says in verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, You know what Jesus is saying here. And if you look at the following verses there, it gets a little bit dicey. You're like, man, what what does he mean? Like he's closing the ears off of people? You know exactly what Jesus is saying here. Because you know what it's like when somebody's listening to you and, and they're tuned in to what you have to say. And, and you know what it's like when somebody's just listening to you so that they are getting ready to, so they can say the thing that they want to say. They really just want to hear themselves talk. Jesus said, you're going to come across people who are like that. Some people are going to be ready to hear the truth, and some people just aren't going to be ready to hear it. And some people will be really nice to you about it, and some people are going to be really hateful about it. The prophet Isaiah talked about it back in Isaiah a long, long time ago. There are going to be people who listen, and there are going to be people who don't listen. And here's the deal with parables. Because you're going to see this. You're going to see the disciples respond differently when they hear a parable. You're going to see other people respond differently when they hear a parable. The idea of a parable, it's got two two purposes. It's to reveal the truth to those who want to hear it, to those who want to grow. And it's to conceal the truth from those who don't want to grow. What you have, it will be added to. What you don't have, it will be taken away. Parables are to reveal the truth and to conceal the truth at the the, the same time from those who could care less about Jesus and his word and what the truth is. But here's the deal. The sower doesn't know the condition of somebody's heart. Only God knows the condition of somebody's heart. And so their job is to sow the seed and to let God deal with the heart. And so we don't get to determine what the condition of somebody's soil is. We don't get to determine, like we can have some internal angst or feelings about where somebody's heart and what the soil is like. But like there, I don't know. I I don't know if you've experienced this or not. There have been people I've been like, there is no way that they would ever listen to what God has to say. But then I'll swing around a couple years later and I'll be like, holy cow, like you know Jesus? Like Jesus saved you? Like, you listen to the Word of God, and it just blows me away every time. So we don't get to judge the condition of somebody's soil, where they're at, when they're there, because Jesus has the the ability to uproot and to till somebody's soil in an instant, and the Holy Spirit goes to work in their life. Jesus gets to to determine the condition of someone's soil. So here are the four soils that the disciples can expect to encounter as they scatter the seed. And as we read them and as we look at them, I want us, even as we sit here, to consider, man, what's the condition of the soil that I'm dealing with? Like, what's in my heart right now? Is my heart ready to hear the Word of God? Is my heart soft to the Word of God? Or is, is it kind of like a, a, a footpath that's just been trod over, and every time a seed hits, it, it doesn't germinate. It doesn't have an opportunity to grow. So even, even let the Spirit kind of lead you into this. Um, something to consider, too, as, as we read uh, or as we look at these specific um, deals here. Jesus is really good at telling parables. He's really good at illustration, he was really good at seeing something and then making it a teaching lesson. You see it all the time. He says, hey, you see that building over there? Let me tell you about it. Um, you see uh, those kids over there? Let, let me teach you a lesson about it. You see that fig tree right there? Let me teach you a lesson about it. So he's really good at seeing something and pointing out something along the way and say, hey, I'm just going to use that as a teaching illustration right now. And so it's probable if not likely that this is what's happening with Jesus right now. That they, they, they might be on a walk and as they're walking Jesus sees somebody who's out sowing their field or getting their field ready and be like, hey, I see you see that guy over there who's sowing seed? Let me tell you a story. Let me teach you a lesson by what's going on. We don't know that for certain but it's very probable that this could be the deal. And so the first soil that we see is the footpath. Verse 14. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and he takes away the word that's sown in them. Now, we read that, and that's pretty clear for us to understand, right? Footpaths footpaths are exactly what is said there. We have a picture of, of one here. Um, footpaths were an area where people would walk along the outside of fields um, so they wouldn't trample down um, the fields. Um, and there were also footpaths that would link from town to town and people would, you know, they would walk on the footpath. It was, it was trodden down by people uh, walking there. And so if seed fell along the footpath, it was highly unlikely that that seed would ever take root because the ground is too hard. Either the ground's too hard and it's not going to get down because um, something's going to come in and take it away, um, or it's going to get stepped on or it's going to get kicked out of the way. Uh, And what uh, Jesus says here in his illustration is that because of the footpath, it doesn't have an opportunity to go deep because the birds come in and take it away, or because Satan comes in and takes it away. Birds and Satan are pesky individuals, are they not? I mean, they just get in the way of, of everything. Um, last year, uh, I was trying to grow some uh, grass in my backyard, and our backyard is terrible. Um, I like the size of it, but it's terrible because we got dogs, and they just, just tear up everything, guys. And, and so like, it was brown, and grass wasn't growing, it's was patchy everywhere, and so I'm like, okay, I, like, I'm going to grow seed. I can't grow anything, okay? So I was just like, I'm just going to throw some seed out here, throw some hay down, and then we'll be good, and eventually we'll have a nice lush green grass, You know, a nice green yard. Um, and and then uh, the rain came, and there was some seed on the sides of, like, the hill coming off of our our back patio, and, like, it just kind of kept washing the seed away. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? Um, And and then birds started coming in and eating the seed in my backyard, and, like, I I can't deal, like, with the rain, like, God's in control of that, but the birds, like, I could do something with the birds, okay? And so I would sit there, and I'd watch outside of my window. I'm like, let's go, birds. And so whenever birds would show up and they would start eating my seeds, I would run out in the backyard like a crazy man. I'd be like, get out of my yard, birds! Get out of here! i just, I just go crazy with the birds. Like, guys, I was yelling at birds for, for stealing my seed. Birds are really good at stealing seed, let me tell you. And they don't care if you're chasing after them or not. They'll just keep coming back. Satan's really good at stealing the Word of God away from people who have no desire to hear it. When there's no desire for somebody to know or to hear the Word of God, Satan just comes in and snatches the word away, and he takes it away quickly because they're not ready to hear the word of God. They're not in a season of their life where their, their heart is tilled up enough to hear the word of God. And so he moves on uh, to the second um, type of soil that we see. It's the rocky ground in verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or, or per, persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now, this one's tricky because you see some growth, but then it disappears. Um, Jesus says, at first, they receive the word of God with what? With joy. With joy. There is joy in their heart when they hear this. but what's that joy come from? You read the next verse, and we realize that this joy is somewhat circumstantial, because when trouble comes along, when tribulation comes, when hardship comes, it, it's gone. They, they walk they, just, they, they leave it. They, they walk away. As long as my life can tangibly be made better by what I'm doing, as, as long as I can um, have a, a noticeable change, I, I'm good. but if not, I'm out. If tribulation comes, if uh, persecution comes, then then I'm done. I'll walk away. Um, When Jesus is looking at the ground in Israel, there's some pretty rocky ground. Um, that they're, they're dealing with there. Israel's a pretty rocky place. Um, there's some really lush places, but there's also some really rocky places. Um, you look at the hillsides and you look at the plains, and there are quite a few rocks and, and layers of rocks underneath the surface. Um, uh, uh, there's like a, a layer of bedrock underneath the surface, uh, and it makes it difficult sometimes to, to grow crops in certain areas. And so the seed hits the rich soil that's on top of that bedrock, and, uh, and it starts to grow right? And then it starts sucking up the nutrients and dirt and it starts to sprout some roots and it looks like things are going fantastically. But then that root system immediately hits the bedrock and everything that grows up now begins to get scorched by the sun because there's no support structure for those roots to grow. And so it starts off well, but it dies because the circumstances aren't great and things begin to get hard for that particular plant. And that's clear, right? We get that, we read, we read that, and in our minds we understand that, that there are folks who come to faith because they want what Jesus has to offer without having the cost of following that becomes attached with it. And Jesus is going to be very clear in the book of Mark, and he's going to be very clear in all the other Gospels as well, and Paul is going to be a great representation throughout the New Testament of what it looks like to count the cost of following Jesus. And Jesus is going to be very clear. There's a cost that comes along with following. There's persecution. There's, there's often loss of friends. There's loss of family at times. The lifestyle of a disciple is often riddled with denial and, and sacrifice. At the end of the day, we would say, hey, it's worth it, but it comes with a cost. It comes with the cost that the Holy Spirit's gonna help us navigate day in and day out, but when we start to see that cost play out, um, we begin to hit a rock, and some people just, just walk away because they're not ready for it. It doesn't mean that they'll never be ready for it. It just means that in this particular season of their life, they weren't ready to follow Jesus right now. And as a sower... We don't stop sowing seeds in that place. Jesus was very good at, um, um, we're told at one point in the gospel not to cast our pearls before swine. It's a very interesting passage. But Jesus is very comfortable throwing the seed out to everybody and knowing that there are going to be some who receive and there are going to be some who reject and there are going to be certain seasons where people are ready when they weren't ready um, before. And so we don't stop sowing seeds. We keep going and we let Jesus do the work that he can do to bring people around uh, when they're ready. But we know, too, that from this particular type of soil, that we're susceptible to circumstantial faith as well. There are times when um, our, our hearts just want what it wants. And uh, at one point, we want Jesus, but then there are other desires that come in and get in the way, uh, and it begins to rob what God wants to do in our, our lives. Um, yeah. That kind of faith won't last. Um, that's what Jesus is saying here. That's not faith that lasts. There's no root system. There's no, no support there. Here's um, the, the heart soil that I want to focus on. Um, look at verse 18. It's the seed that falls in the thorns. And others are the ones sown among thorns. they are those who hear the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Jesus gives three examples of what the thorns are here. Um, people hear the word of God, but three things kind of get in the way. There's the cares of the world, there's the deceitfulness of riches, and there's the desire for other things. Um, these three things have the ability to come in and to choke out the word and to keep us from um, being fruitful. Now, to be upfront. I believe that the first two soils that Jesus was talking about, that these were unbelievers. These are people who, who uh, either Satan came in and snatched a word, and they were, they were hard, and they, they never came to Christ, um, or that uh, they had a moment where um, things looked good, but when um, You know everything hit the fan. They're like, no, I'm out. I I can't handle this type of life. So I think the first two soils aren't believers. I think these next two soils are when somebody comes in and and trusts Christ. But in this particular one, um, I think they're struggling with how to order their lives around the truth. They've trusted Christ, but like, how do I live this out in practicality and day in and day out when my boots hit the ground every single every single morning? Um, The first thing that uh, Jesus says here is that there's a there's cares of the world that come in and choke out the life of of this type of of soil. Um, The idea here for the cares of the world, the word for care or worry, if you have a different translation, um, it's like having a a divided mind. There's a sense that we know that, hey, we we need to have um, the things of our lives cared for, but how we care for them and what precedence those needs are going to take tend to uh, be where the struggle begins to come in. There's a divided mind that takes place. There's, I've got needs, but how they're met get in the way of one another. I heard a story uh, this week of a, of a one-handed um, handball player. Y'all, y'all ever heard of handball? Um, like, it's, a, it's an interesting sport, right? It's, it's like racquetball, but you just take the racket away. And you're still in the same room, and you start smacking this, this ball that's somewhat hard with your hand, and you're hitting it off the corners of the, of the walls. And what you want is you want to make sure that your opponent can't return the ball back to you. And so um, there's this, there's this uh, gentleman who had an injury to his hand, and he was left with one. And, and so uh, he was struggling trying to figure out, what do I, what do, I do now? Like, I want to be active. but uh, So somebody comes along and says, hey, why don't you try uh, handball? That might be a, a good uh, sport uh, for you to, to come alongside and do. Um, and so he's like, okay, I'll give it a try. And after a while, like, he realizes, hey, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm, I'm not bad. Who would have thought, right? Um, handball, one hand. And he's like, I'm not actually bad at this. And so he started entering some tournaments, and, and he ended up being quite the champ um, of this sport. And so somebody came along and uh, did an interview with him, and they asked him. They said, hey, what makes you so good at this sport? And he said, it's easy. I only have one option. I I know which hand I'm going to use every time the ball comes to me. My opponents, on the other hand, they have to try to figure out um, what their next move is going to be, and not only what their next move is going to be, but with which hand they're going to use to execute that that move. I, on the other hand, I only have one option, so it makes it very easy for me. Guys, in our walk with Jesus, a singular focus is just so much easier than being double-minded, okay? When you start adding in other options... Like, confusion begins to come in, anxiety begins trouble begins to show up. But when you've already decided in your heart and in your mind that you know what you're going to do when the next thing comes, comes along. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to live. I don't know what's going to be coming down the road. I don't know how things are going to play out. But I know that whatever comes, I know that whatever may come my way, I'm with the Lord. And his word is going to guide me. And his spirit is going to lead me along the way. That's it. Like, that's my singular focus. When we are so singular focused like that and our mind isn't double-minded, there's an ease at which we can navigate the hard stuff of life. And the things that can threaten to come in and choke out the true life that Jesus wants to give us, we're able to keep those things at bay. Or the Holy Spirit is able to keep those things at bay because we've already said, my singular focus is set on the Lord. It's set on his word. I'm not going to be sidetracked by, by anything else. The second thing that he says there is that there's a deceitfulness of riches that comes in. I want you to notice that he doesn't say riches. He says a deceitfulness of riches. He's not saying that if you have money that you're going to get caught up in the thorns. It's the deceitfulness of riches. You can be broke as a joke and get caught up in the thorns. You can have all the money in the world and you can get caught up in, in the thorns. Here's the catch, though, okay? Okay? Money can deceive us, and it can trick us into believing that our identity is in what we have or what we don't have. Money can leave us finding our identity in the things that we have or we don't have, or the things that we want, or the things that we can't have. Um, we see this kind of stuff happen all the time. Money and the position that comes often with having money can be a thief of our true identity. Um, But money can never tell us who we are if we already know who we are in Christ. Uh, Money can never be our identity if we know our identity is locked up in Christ. Money then becomes a tool to be used rather than an identity that can be gained or lost. Jesus told us who we are if we've chosen to follow Christ. He has said that we are sons and daughters of God, that we are children of his kingdom, men and women of his kingdom, Bought with a price, holy and redeemed. That's who we are if we're in Christ. And that can't be undone since we are in Christ. Money can be so dangerous to us because we can buy the lie that if we have it, we've made it. And if we don't have it, then we're somehow on the outside looking in. The last thing that he says here among the thorns is the desire for other things. It literally uh, means everything else. The desire for everything else that I haven't already talked about. It, it's having an appetite for anything outside of what God has already provided. Isn't that why Adam and Eve got into the mess that they were in? They tried to reach out for something that God said no to. He said yes to everything else. I've provided for you in this way. And they somehow thought in the back of their mind, God is holding something back from me. He's not providing for me the way that I think that He should provide for me. So I somehow need to provide for my, myself now. And so in their desire, for what they felt God had kept them from. They reached out of his provision to provide for themselves. And we know how that goes when we read Genesis chapter 3. And I thought about that, and I just thought, man, I, I, I personally want to li- live a life where um, I just, I, I only want what God wants for me. Like to get to a place in our lives where we say, man, God, like I could have everything else, I could chase after this all, but I want what you want for me. That That's a, that'd be a fantastic place to live in. I don't know what stage of life that you're in right now, but at the particular stage of life that you're in right now, could you say, man, the only thing that I want is what God wants for me? And if you can say the only thing that I want for me is what God wants for me, your heart is the kind of soil that a seed can germinate up in and grow. If we're in a place where we say, you know what, I I know what God wants for me, but there are some things that I would rather have, then, our, then we're starting to move away from a, a tender soil and we start moving towards a place where things can't grow um, it, or it begins to grow up in, in some thorns. I only want what God wants. If I'm being honest, man, my heart wants so many things sometimes and it's not always Jesus. Um, and I desire things that I can't have. Um, I try to maneuver and get things that other people have because I, I want them. And I begin to ask the question, why can't I have that? <laughs> they have it. Why, why can't I have it? You've allowed them to have it. Why can't, I, why can't I have that too? You've said it's good for them. Why can't it be good for me? Why can't I just have the things that, that, that I want? Can I tell you the kind of fruit that that produces? It doesn't produce good fruit. It doesn't produce a healthy crop. Um, it produces jealousy, discontentment, and bitterness because we're always thinking that either God is holding out on us or somebody else has got it made, and, and we don't. Um, I don't know if that shows up in your life, but that's just me being honest here. The real fruit comes from verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and uh, 100-fold. That's the good soil where fruit begins to be produced. And and there's two calls, I think, for us out of this passage. It's for us to be a sower of God's word, to take his seed and scatter it everywhere, and for us not to be discouraged when people don't grow the way that we want. They they may grow in one season of life, they may not grow in another season of life, Um, they may push hard against it, but to continue throwing out seeds, to be a good sower of the word. Scripture says that there were some who came along and planted, there were some who came along and watered, there were some who came along and they were able to reap a harvest, but God was in control the entire time of all the growth. And so you may be in a season where you're planting seeds, you may be in a season where you're watering seeds, you may be in a season where you get to watch somebody come along and trust Jesus. Or you might be in a season where everything is just hard right now. I would say allow Jesus to soften your heart and you become a sower of his word. You, you, you cast out seeds. When Ashley and I, we were living here in Omaha during college, um, we had some friends, just real dear friends of ours. They didn't know Jesus. I mean, they were, they were far from Jesus, okay? Um, and, uh, but we just loved them. Like We'd share the gospel with them. We would tell them the truth. And, uh, and then we would just live life with them. We were, they, were our, they were our best friends. And uh, so we moved. Um, they hadn't trusted Jesus, and uh, our hearts grew. Like we prayed for them all the time, and uh, we moved. We were we were living in Texas, and uh, Ashley would be talking with him on the phone, and uh, and and the gal she would say, um, "Yeah, you know, I'm really trying to see what God's will is for my life right now." Or, um, "Yeah, in our small group, are like, wait a minute, what? Your small group, God's will? What are you talking about?" And then uh, they came to visit, and then uh, we moved here, and we started to have a conversation with them. They were plugged into a church. They accepted Christ. Their kids were on a path, and they are like, what happened? Like, when did you guys trust Christ? Like, you weren't allowed to do that without us, right? And, and here's what happened. We, we planted some seeds, and then somebody came along, and they watered those seeds. Somebody came along, and they reaped a harvest. But God caused the growth the entire way. So don't grow weary of casting seeds, don't grow weary of doing good. God is at work. And then I would say, be good soil. Be good soil. Be soft to the Lord. Don't get caught up in the cares of this world. Be willing to, 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 to live out what God has called us to. Be willing to say, you know what? I only want what God wants for me. That's really my heart's desire. And when I don't want what God wants from me, Lord, lead me into that place because I don't want to get choked out by the, th- by the thorns. So sow seeds and help people grow. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for your word. Thanks for um, your parables. Thanks for the lesson in the soil. Um, Who knew that we could learn so much from a seed and and from some soil? But Lord, you've uh, given us um, a call, and that's to be good soil so that we can grow. And to go out and cast your seed, so that other people can grow as well. So this week, in whatever context we're in, in whatever stage of life that we're in, would you meet us there? For those who haven't trusted Jesus, I pray God that they would um, enter into a relationship with you. They would trust that the greatest need that they have in their life is you, and nothing else compares. And so that today would be a day where they just throw up their hands and say, "Jesus, I want you. If you choose to give me other things, that's fine. But I want you, and you only." I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. If if it's people who are just kind of on the journey and uh, falling into the thorns, I pray, God, that you would um, cultivate our hearts, that you would uh, give us a a soft soil so that roots could go deep and so they can go wide and so we could have a foundation to understand the other things that you want to teach us. Let us not um, grow up fast and burn out, but let us grow deep and let our roots grow wide. Let us sow Let us help others grow, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.